quick word of prayer. And let's jump into this. Heavenly Father, as we just get ready to read what you have in store for us tonight, we just pray as always you would teach, we would listen. And uh, Lord, go before this and help us to put some uh, good application on this, Lord, and how we can apply this to our lives. In your name, amen. All right, if you remember correctly, last week with our study here through Jeremiah, we cut off at verse 18 of Jeremiah 17. Now, we've been going at a pretty good pace here through the book of Jeremiah. We've been averaging about two chapters here a week. And my plan was, in fact, I started preparing the lesson to do Jeremiah 18 and do Jeremiah 19 tonight. And I kind of was just going to skip over verses 19 through 27 make a brief mention of them. Because I like Jeremiah 18 and 19. These are the very famous passages about the potter and the clay and some really neat stuff there. Well, so I was going back and I felt guilty. And so I went back and I read verses 19 through 27 again about the Sabbath. And I said, okay, Lord, we'll compromise here. And I'll just kind of hit the Sabbath real lightly. We'll just make a quick mention of the Sabbath and we'll move on. And as I was preparing verses 19 through 27, boy, it ended up being a full message about the Sabbath. Now... The reason I like this is because if this was a Sunday morning, we'd probably make a few couple quick verses about the Sabbath and move on. The beauty of a Wednesday night always has been that we can chew on stuff that we normally don't have time to look at. You may look at the topic of the idea of the Sabbath, and you may say, we're going to spend a whole evening talking about it. I tell you, I was blessed by this, and I hope you're blessed by that too. Because when we look at what the Sabbath is and what it represents, boy, when you get the full picture of it, it's an amazing thing. Now... In our study in Jeremiah, what we've been trying to do is find the key verse. Key verse in verses 19 through 27 is verse 23. It says, But they did not obey, nor incline their ear, but made their necks stiff, that they may not hear, nor receive instruction. Now that's a point we've talked about many times here over the last few weeks. Israel was rebellious. They were rebellious against what God wanted. Have you ever been in that spot spiritually where you knew what God wanted you to do, and you just didn't do it? That's rebellion. That's being stiff-necked. That's being just this hard-nosed stubbornness. And that's exactly what Israel was. They were spiritually stubborn towards the Lord. I tell you, right now, it is a bad place to be, to be spiritually stubborn towards the Lord. When you know what God wants you to do, and you just don't want to do it. We've all been in that position before. Israel was in that position. In fact, Israel has been in that position now for hundreds of years. So the purpose of the book of Jeremiah is God has said, This stubbornness has gone on long enough. It's time for you guys to be judged. And that's exactly what's going to happen is Babylon's going to come down and judge them. Well, one of the ways that Israel was stubborn is this idea of the Sabbath. They would not honor the Sabbath. Now, you may say that, what's the big deal? They they, they decided to work when God said, don't work. You know, in our society today, we'd be patted on the back for that. That idea of, you know, the boss says, leave at four, and you say, no, I want to stay till six. I want to work hard. Well, that's not exactly what was going on here. Let's read what God had to say about this real quick. So now it says right here in verse 20, Hear the word of the Lord, you kings of Judah and all of Judah, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem who enter by the gates. Thus says the Lord, Take heed to yourselves, and bear no burden on the Sabbath day, nor bring it in by the gates of Jerusalem, nor carry a burden out of your houses on the Sabbath day, nor do any work, but hallow the Sabbath. Make it holy, as I commanded your fathers. Here's our key verse. But they did not obey. See, what happens is it's not so much that they didn't obey the Sabbath, but by them not obeying the Sabbath, it showed their unfaithfulness in other areas. That's exactly what it is. This idea, if we put in the notes here, if Israel could not be faithful in following the Sabbath, how could they be faithful in other things? One of the things I tell the boys at night, all four boys right now are are sleeping in one room at night. 
Talk about crazy when you have a three-year-old, a four-year-old, a six-year-old, and a seven-year-old all sleeping in one room at night. It works. It's a little crazy. So one of the things I say when it's time to go to bed is, okay, guys, we're shutting off the lights. We're going to go to bed. No talking. Now, that's, that's the rule. The follow-through is a little different. But the rule is no talking. Now, what happens inevitably is there's some talking. So you go in and you sit down. You try to say, okay, guys, remember, no talking. Tyrus, the baby, he's sleeping right beside you guys in the other room. You need to be quiet. And one of the things I tell the boys is, listen, you may think this no talking rule is kind of dumb. But you need to show me that you can be obedient in the little things. If I know that you're not going to talk when the lights are out in your bedroom, I also know when I let you go outside to play in the summer that you're not going to run into the front of the house and go near the road. Show me that you're obedient in the little things. I know that you're also going to follow me in the bigger things. See, the Sabbath may not have been that big a deal, but it was a big deal. If they could not be obedient in following the Sabbath, how are they going to be obedient in not going to other gods? How are they going to be obedient in following the sacrifices? By them not following the Sabbath, it showed their hearts were not in the right spot. Hence the verse in Luke that we put down. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much be required, and to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. Very simply put, if you want to be faithful in the big things, God says, show me your faithful in the little things. Israel did not show their faithfulness. So what happened here is their lack of obedience revealed their heart. Jump ahead, if you will, to verse 25. Excuse me, verse 24. Look at this. This is our blessing curse thing again we've talked about for the last few weeks. Verse 24, And it shall be if you heed me carefully, says the Lord, to bring no burden through the gates of the city on the Sabbath day, but hallow the Sabbath day to do no work on it. Then shall enter the gates of the city kings and princes sitting on the throne of David, riding in chariots and on horses. They and their princes accompanied by the men of Judah and their inhabitants of Jerusalem. And this city shall remain forever. And they shall come from the cities of Judah and from the places around Jerusalem, from the land of Benjamin and from the lowland, from the mountains and from the south, bringing burnt offerings and sacrifices, grain offerings and incense, bringing sacrifices of praise to the house of the Lord. Very simply put, guys, if you honor the Sabbath, you will be blessed. You will be blessed. Somebody from the line of David will always be ruling you. You will have peace. You will have blessings. You will be blessed by simply being obedient to me in the Sabbath. The blessing part, verse 27, the curse part. But if you will not heed me to hallow the Sabbath day, such as not carrying a burden when entering the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, then I will kindle a fire in its gates, and it shall devour the palace of Jerusalem, and it shall not be quenched. How simple is that? You obey me, you're blessed. You disobey me, you're punished. That's a theme that we've been talking about in Jeremiah here for the last month. When you obey God, you're blessed. When you disobey God, problems happen. And it has not changed 3,000 years later. I'm not saying if you obey God, everything falls into your life perfectly. But when you obey God in spiritual obedience, God takes care of you. But when you allow things into your life that are not in line with God's will and how we live and how we act, how we speak, how we move, boy, problems happen. There's a simplicity here of obedience brings blessing. Disobedience brings curse. The example that God gave in verses 19 through 27 in the Sabbath is, Obey, you're blessed. Disobey, you're cursed. They disobeyed in the Sabbath, and what happens? Well, somebody from David wasn't ruling them in verse 25. Verses 26, they did not have peace. And what happened was verse 27, a fire was kindled. Babylon came down from the north and destroyed them. Exactly like God said here in verses 19 through 27. Now, let's take a break here real quick. And before we get into the rest of this, does anybody have any quick questions, comments on what we've studied here thus far? Okay, with that being said, 
Real quick, let's just look at the punishment. Keep your hand here in Jeremiah. Look at Jeremiah 25, please. Jeremiah 25, we're going to build on this. Jeremiah 25, and let's go ahead and pick it up here in verse 9. Jeremiah 25, verse 9. Actually, jump back one verse to verse 8, please. Jeremiah 25, verse 8 says, Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, because you have not heard my words, behold, I will ascend and take all the families of the north, says the Lord, and Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them against the land, against its inhabitants, against these nations all around, and will utterly destroy them, and make them an astonishment, a hissing, the perpetual desolations. Jump ahead to verse 11. And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Now, you know where this is going because we've talked about this before, but just bear with me, please. The 70 years, jump, if you will, now to Second Chronicles 36. Second Chronicles 36, please. The 70 years comes from the punishment that happened by them not honoring the Sabbath. Second Chronicles 36, please. We're going to build on this. Second Chronicles 36. Look at all the times here that God showed grace and mercy to Israel. As you're in Second Chronicles 36, verse 15. Second Chronicles 36, verse 15. And it says, The Lord God of their fathers sent warnings to them by his messengers, rising up early and sending them because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. How many times have we said this? Anytime there's judgment, there's always grace. God did not want to see Israel be totally punished. He didn't. He loves them. He just wanted them to obey. Hopefully no parent enjoys disciplining their child. You want them to obey. So you are willing to go through the harshness of discipline to see your child make better choices later on in life. The same thing here spiritually. God has no joy in disciplining us, but he loves us enough to do it. Verse 15, he has compassion on his people, and he says, warning. You're not obeying, but the problem was verse 16, 2 Chronicles 36. But they mocked the messengers of God, despised his words, scoffed at his prophets, until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people, till there was no remedy. Therefore he brought against them the king of the Chaldeans, Babylon, who killed their young men with the sword in their house or their sanctuary, and in no compassion on young man or virgin on the aged or the weak, he gave them all into his hand. And all the articles from the house of God, great and small, the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king and of his leaders, all these he took to Babylon. Then they burned down the house of God, broke down the walls of Jerusalem, burned all its palaces with fire, and destroyed all its precious possessions. And those who escaped from the sword he carried away to Babylon, and where they became servants to him and his sons until the rule of the kingdom of Persia, to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, who were studying, until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths. As long as she lay desolate, she kept the Sabbath to fulfill 70 years. Very simply put, for 490 years, Israel did not take a Sabbath year. And so they owed God 70 years. This is their back pay. Now, we're going to talk about this. Just bear with me here. I know we're going through a lot of stuff, but it's supposed to be fun. Turn, if you will, with me to Exodus 20. Exodus 20. We're going to build on this. I want you to see the importance of this. So we've actually done... (coughs) the end before we got to the beginning. The end is they were called to have the Sabbath rest. They chose not to do it. Their disobedience and the little thing of not honoring the Sabbath showed their disobedience in the big thing. And so therefore, they did not honor the Sabbath for 490 years. So therefore, they owed God 70 Sabbaths. The way you get that is every seventh year was supposed to be a Sabbath year 
which I'll talk about here in a second. 70 times 7 is 490. So they owed God 70 years. Now, Exodus 20. For all you good people out there that went through catechism, you should be able to quote for us. Verses 8, 9, 10, and 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. How simple is this? Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. And it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and they rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. How simple is that? Work six days, take a day off. Now is that not one of the greatest commands that God has ever given us? Work six days, take a day off. And don't just take a day off. Everybody take a day off. The servants take a day off. The cattle takes a day off. Everything takes a day off. A complete, utter day of rest. That is a wonderful command that God gave. Stay in Exodus now and just build on this a little bit. Now, go to Exodus 23, please. So we have the Sabbath day. Let's build on this a little bit more. Let's go one step further. Exodus 23, verse 10. Six years you shall sow your land and gather in its produce. But the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie fallow that the poor of your people may eat and what they leave the beasts of the field may eat. In like manner you shall do with your vineyard and your olive grove. Six days you shall do your work and on the seventh day you shall rest that your ox and your donkey may rest and the son of your female servant and the stranger may be refreshed. Now look, look at the connection here. Verse 13, And all that I have said to you, be circumspect and make no mention of the name of other gods, nor let it be heard from your mouth. That verse almost seems like it doesn't fit there. It fits perfectly. Because by them honoring the Sabbath, it showed their heart was going to honor God in other areas. By them not honoring the Sabbath, it showed that they were going to disobey God in other areas. So now we've gone from just one day off a week. Now, verses 10 and 11, you get every seventh year off. I know we've talked about this a lot, and it's actually a very simple point, but let this sink in. Every seventh year, you get the complete year off. Everything. No, you don't work. You you get the year off, and you just trust that the Lord is going to provide. So do you not only get every seventh day completely off, you get a complete year off every seventh year. That is an amazing concept. An amazing concept. And if you've heard me teach on this before, the problem is there is not one recorded instance in the Bible of them ever doing this. There's not. Can you imagine having a year off and then you didn't do it? I mean, isn't that not just silly? I run into people every now and then, well, it'll be the end of the year, and I'll be talking to them, and I'll be like, how's work going? Oh, work's going great. I said, why is it going great? Well, I'm not working. Why are you not working? Boy, I had all this vacation time that I had to use up, and if I didn't get used up by the end of the year, I lost it. So what do you do? You take the vacation time. Not too many people would ever go to their boss or their company and say, boy, I love you so much, just take the vacation time. I want to work. Now, can you imagine every seventh year being able to take the year off? Now, just stop and think about that for a second. It's hard for our mind to grasp that concept. Maybe at the most, at your job, maybe you get two weeks off in a row. So you get two weeks off, which out of 14 days, you're really only taking about 10 days off. 12 months off. And this is 12 months off. This is not just, hey, I'm going to take vacation so I can make sure my yard gets mowed. And I'm going to take vacation because i got so much stuff to do around the house. This, this is take a year off. And just trust that the Lord's going to do the grocery shopping for you. It is an amazing concept. 
that they never followed through on. Turn, if you will, these are our last couple passages before we get to the spiritual points. Bear with me. Leviticus 25 now. Leviticus 25. I love getting to the Old Testament law here. Leviticus 25. Anytime you read and study the law, and as you read and study the law, if it sounds confusing, if it sounds archaic, if it sounds dumb, remember the law is a picture of Jesus. So as you go through the law, you're really looking for the shadow of Christ. And what you see here in the Sabbath, we're going to get to in a little bit, is a picture of Jesus. So, Leviticus 25, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land which I give you, then the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. Six years you shall sow your field, and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather its fruit. But in the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land. A Sabbath to the Lord. You should neither sow your field nor prune your vineyard. What grows of its own accord of your harvest you shall not reap, nor gather the grapes of your untended vine, for it is a year of rest for the land. And the Sabbath produce of the land shall be food for you, for your male and female servants, your hired man and the stranger who dwells with you, for your livestock and the beasts that are in their land. All its produce shall be food for you. So as you take the year off, the Lord will miraculously, supernaturally provide the food. And as you see this food being produced supernaturally, don't sit there and say, you know, I should probably go out and hoe a few weeds. No, let it go. Boy, I should probably go out and prune a couple of those rough branches off just so the grapes are a little. No, let it go. Completely, utterly take the year off. Now, verse 18 same chapter, 25. So you shall observe my statutes and keep my judgments and perform them, and you will dwell in the land safely. See, if you obey the Sabbath, God honors that. This is a simple concept. By them not following the Sabbath, God says you're showing me your heart is disobedience. That is why it's so important in the little things spiritually to be obedient. The majority of us here, we're not going to go out and rob banks we're not going to go out and become drug dealers and kill people and do stuff like that. Those are the big sins. Yeah, but what about gossip? What about spiritual laziness of not being in the Word, being in prayer? What about not being a light and a witness? See, we don't do those big things and we think we're okay spiritually. God says, wait a second, I'm looking for the little things too. So, yeah, you're not honoring the Sabbath. It's not a big deal, God. Come on, let it go. No, it is a big deal. Because when you are disobedient in the little things... It shows your heart is also not going to be obedient in the big things. Verse 19, Then the land will yield its fruit, and you will eat your fill, and dwell there safety. And if you say, What shall we eat in the seventh year, since we shall not sow nor gather in our produce? Verse 20, You know there's going to be one guy. This makes no sense. So I take the seventh year off. Okay, so I trust that you're going to miraculously provide for me the seventh year. Okay, the problem is, I'm not doing any work the seventh year, so now the eighth year, I have no crops. Because I wasn't allowed to plant anything in the seventh year. So what am I going to eat the eighth year? Verse 21. I will command my blessing on you in the sixth year. And will bring forth produce enough for three years. You shall sow in the eighth year and eat old produce until the ninth year. Until its produce comes in and you shall eat of the old harvest. God's got it all covered. Completely, utterly covered. Your sixth year will be such a blessing, it will cover your seventh year, will also cover your eighth year. So as you go out your eighth year to plant for your ninth year, God's already provided everything for you. You get a whole year off every seven year. And we can even build on this year. This is a year where slaves are set free. This also builds up to the year of Jubilee, where every 50th year, all debts are taken care of. It's an amazing thing. And the Jews never did it. 
Never did it. For 490 years, they didn't do it. So therefore, God comes back and says, you skipped out on 70 payments of my Sabbath year. You owe me. And the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to have Babylon come down, defeat you, take you to Babylon, teach you a lesson of spiritual obedience. And then while you're gone for those 70 years, my land will get its rest. That's not harsh. That's not mean. That's actually honest. That's love. God is willing to get in your life and cause problems in your life out of love. Have you not ever seen somebody who spiritually is not on the right path with the Lord? And then instead of you sitting there saying, Lord, why are you allowing this to happen to them? God is allowing them to reap what they sow. God is allowing them because they lived in disobedience to go through difficult times. God is allowing Babylon to come down into the north and to their lives to get their attention because he loves them so much. That's the truth. God said, you owed me, and I'm allowing this to happen because since you're disobedient in the little things, I can't trust you in the big things. That's the Sabbath. Now, we're going to make a present application for us. Please come to Mark chapter 2. We're going to finish this up quickly, please. Mark chapter 2. Does anybody got any quick questions, comments about Old Testament? Sabbath, Sabbath year, Sabbath rest, etc. Before we get into present day application for us. Yes, Jody. Well, that's a really good question. Were there no priests telling them this or reminding them of this? Well, obviously Jeremiah was. So we know from Jeremiah's account that he was. We know from reading in what passage was that? Second Chronicles 36. We know that God said that in verse... Let me check my notes here. Verse 15 of Second Chronicles 36, we know that God sent messenger after messenger after messenger telling them to do it. So yes, there were people that were doing it. They just weren't listening to it. So we have, yes, there were people trying to tell them to do it. They just chose not to listen. Ryan. If every seven, uh, Sabbath is every seven years, so at seven, seven, seven is 49. Yep. Yeah, that's actually a very good question. And there's actually, when you study it out, it's kind of a funky concept because what uh, Ryan is saying there is right. If you take every seven years as a Sabbath year and the year of Jubilee is the 50th year, that means... Hopefully, at least once in your lifetime, you got the double blessing of a Sabbath year in year 49 and the year of Jubilee in year 50. So you got a couple years there in a row of just rest, relaxation, and blessing. Once again, no one ever took advantage of that. Yeah, yeah, it is. It should, and that's something that they talk about in there that there would be that year of Jubilee that fall was a Sabbath year one time, but no one ever did it. Surely. Well, I think it comes down to faith. I think it was that simple of a concept. Um, I mean, if you look back to manna, when they supernaturally provided the manna, God told them specifically, there'll be enough manna for you to take a break on the Sabbath day. And what did people do? They kept it, and it spoiled. Or there was the people that were lazy, and they didn't. Same thing when God provided the quail. Eat only enough that you need. People gorged themselves on it. I can't say for sure, but my personal opinion is, that first seventh year came up, and everybody stopped and said, well, wait a second. We're supposed to take a whole year off here and provide and trust that God's going to provide supernaturally for us? Nah. I think they just didn't want to do it. I think it was a lack of faith. And that's one of the points that we're going to talk about here is the Sabbath for us is is faith. It's, It's a trusting that the Lord is going to meet your needs. And then that's part of the Sabbath for us. Look here at Mark 2 real quick. Mark 2, verse 23. 
It says, Now it happened as he went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, as they went, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, Lord, why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Real quick, you've heard me say this before. The Pharisees looked at that as harvesting grain. Because if anybody's ever been out in a wheat field, you take a head of wheat, you rub it in your hand, you get rid of the chaff, you got the seeds left. They were walking through, they saw the wheat, picked up a few heads of wheat, rubbed it together, got rid of the chaff, threw the seeds in their mouth. Pharisee says, you're doing work. You're harvesting grain. Now, just so you know, that's not in the law. That's a rule that the Pharisees made up. Verse 25, he said to them, have you not read... What David did when he was in need and hungry and he those with him. How he went into the house of God in the days of Abraham, excuse me, Abathar, the high priest, and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for the priest, who also gave some to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. See, here's our two points on the Sabbath for us today. The first one is, verse 27, Sabbath is a day of rest. To ignore the Sabbath is to ignore God saying you need to take a break. Now, technically speaking, the Sabbath is sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. Now, we're going to get to this point in a little bit here. Too often as Christians, we have deemed the Sabbath to be Sunday. That is not a biblical concept. It's sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. Now, we're going to get to that point in a little bit. But in verse 27, the point is, you need a day of rest. You do. And if you're the type of person that says, I don't need a day of rest, then you're calling God a liar. I mean, it's really that simple. God says you need to take a break, and he recommends taking a break one day a week where you just enjoy physical, mental, and spiritual rest. It doesn't mean you take a break from God spiritually, but you just enjoy that day of rest. I run into people that work seven days a week, numerous hours a day, and guess what? They're usually pretty stressed about life. It's tough. There's the blessing of taking a day off. Now, some of you may say, well, in the society we have right now, you know, it doesn't work. There's mandatory overtime, forced overtime. I completely see that, and I understand, and I hear what you're saying, and that's part of the curse of the breakdown of society we have. God says it's great to take one day as a family day. I know for us, we try to take one day a week as as a family day. Obviously, it doesn't work for me on Sunday, so we normally try to take Friday. We took an extra day this week yesterday, Tuesday, and we went up and did some stuff. We don't call it a Sabbath day. We call it family day. And you know what? We don't do a whole lot around the house. We just do family stuff. We take a day and just let the day be relaxing and restful because verse 27, the Sabbath was made for man. God did not have to take a day of rest when he created the world in six days and took day seven off. He took day seven off to show us an example of rest. And so I'm just telling you right now, if you're the type of person that you're gun-ho seven days a week, you may be biblically wrong. Just check that for a second. Your family may be blessed by you just chilling out one day. You may be more blessed by that what you see. Relax. Enjoy the Sabbath. You may sit there and say, well, things aren't going to get done. Well, that takes our next step. Sabbath is a day of faith. See, faith is so key to what we do. Why did they not honor the Sabbath in the Bible? I think it was lack of faith. Stop and think about that for a second. Could you take a year off just trusting the Lord to provide? Not only provide for year seven, but also provide for year eight. That's a big step of faith. Now, do we have anything like that today? Yes and no. We got a concept that, you know, it's taboo to talk about at church, but it's a biblical concept. What about tithing? That's a faith thing. I've done lots of financial counseling with couples, and they come in, and their budget's tight. And one of the first things I say is, hey, do you guys tithe? Well, how can we tithe? You know, listen, we barely got enough money to pay the rent, and you're telling us to take 10% out and do this or that? Come on. And I always tell them, listen, this is a difficult subject for me to talk to you about because it makes it sound like as the pastor of the church, I want your money. I don't want your money. I want you to be blessed. 
And one of the concepts of tithing is when you say, Lord, in faith, I trust you. I trust you that by me giving you this tithe, that you're still going to meet my needs, take care of me, and bless me. Yeah, it does. And sometimes people come in and they'll say things like, you know what? Once we get more financially stable, then we'll start tithing. And I'm going to be honest with you. In my mind, sometimes I think that I don't know if you're ever going to get financially stable. Because part of that blessing is a blessing of faith that you trust the Lord. Some of you may disagree with me about that. And if you want to talk to me one-on-one, I would love to share with you the scriptures. We don't want your money. We just want you to be taken care of in the Lord. And tithing is a wonderful thing. That's one example of faith. What about just in life? What about just trusting the Lord? See, the Sabbath is a picture of trusting God. What about just trusting God that he's going to provide the job for you? He's going to provide the spouse for you? He's going to provide the faith for you to get through the day? He's going to provide the strength for you in those difficult times? See, too often when we get up to year seven, we sit there and we freeze. For a whole year, Lord, Old Testament-wise, for a whole year, do nothing. See, now we look at that today and we get up to that day and we freeze. Lord, you're really going to be with me today? You're really going to provide my needs? Lord, in this time of depression, discouragement, and sorrow, you will really give me strength to get through? Yeah, the Sabbath. Trust Him. Have faith. He gets you through. Hence, verse 28, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. See, of, of all the Ten Commandments... All of the Ten Commandments, nine of the ten are repeated in the New Testament. The only one not repeated in the New Testament is what? Honor the Sabbath. Why are we not supposed to honor the Sabbath now? Because verse 28, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. Every day is a Sabbath with Christ. Every day is rest. Every day is faith. Every day is trusting. We put this verse down. This is Colossians 2, 16 through 17. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. That's just what we talked about. Everything you see in the Old Testament law is a picture of Jesus, which points us towards Christ. So when you read all those laws in the Old Testament about the Sabbath, it's actually a picture of Jesus saying, I will give you rest and trust me. See, the Sabbath in the Old Testament was two things. Faith and rest has not changed today. Jesus is now Lord of the Sabbath. So I put my faith in Him that He's going to get me through whatever situation I'm facing, no matter how daunting it looks. Just as daunting as trusting God in year 7 and year 8 that He will meet their needs, I trust the Lord now that He will meet my needs and plus rest. Do you not know people that need spiritual rest in Christ? Their life is completely, utterly falling apart. They need the comfort and the rest of Christ. They need a spiritual Sabbath in the Lord. That's what they need. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. And so the Sabbath today is a picture of faith and rest, just like it was in the Old Testament. Their Old Testament Sabbath, it was much more legalistic. It was much more rigid. Our Sabbath today is much more spiritual. Lord, do I trust you in faith that you will get me through whatever I'm facing? And Lord, do I also trust that you're the only one that will give me rest? That's our Sabbath today, as Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. Our faith and our rest. Does anybody have any final questions, comments here before we close up? Yeah, Mark. Yeah, six years was a bumper crop to, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. And it's the same thing that happened with the manna, I believe. On day six of the manna is that they got so much, in, and we don't have time tonight, but I was going to read it to you, but it's Exodus 16 if you want to read it. Exodus 16 is the manna. They had such a bumper crop on day six for the manna that some people just 
decided that they were going to do this or that. We don't have to worry about it. It's a faith thing. So yeah, year six was good. So you can either say year six is good, I'm going to take year seven off, or like you were saying, Marv, flush pops up. Year six was good. Can you imagine if I did a good crop in year seven? I can be even farther ahead. Yeah, that's no longer faith. So that's a really good point. Anybody else got anything? Paula. Day of rest. <laughs> so, it, it does. I mean, it really does that, that day, and I can only speak for, for me and the kids. I mean, obviously, I love this place. I love the people, and I love everything we do out here. But there is that excitement of, of Thursday evening coming around and, and the boys knowing tomorrow's family day. And, you know, you look forward to it, and what are we going to do? What are we going to do this? Can we go back to the crick? And you make this whole list of what you're going to do, and that's just the joy of saying, we're just going to take that day. And you know what? I, I'm glad you mentioned about the laundry too, Paula, because I see too many people on, on their day of rest do catch up. You know, I'm going to get the dishes caught up. I'm going to get the laundry caught up. I'm going to get this. And some of you may disagree with me on that. And you know what? I don't care because you're wrong. Because it is wonderful on the day of rest to just rest. It is. It's, it's a wonderful concept. And God knows what he's saying. He really does. He does. It's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. Anybody else have anything else to say before we close up? All right. Let's pray. Heavenly Fathers, we just come to you now. Lord, uh, we just want to pray that you would help us to walk in faith and also to walk in your rest. Lord, help us to find that balance of trusting you in all things, Lord, all things that you're going to meet our needs and take care of us. And Lord, concerning the day of rest, some people's jobs keep them from that. They are forced to work six, seven days a week, and it's tough for them and their family. I pray, Lord, that you would just give them a plan, give them a peace Help them, Lord, to, to scratch out some time during the week where they could just have that family time, that day, that time of rest. Maybe it's not a full day, Lord, but just something. And, Lord, we know that that day of rest is a precursor to our ultimate rest we have in heaven. And, oh, Lord, we look forward to that. Thank you, Lord, for your love, your grace, and your mercy. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, you guys have a good week, and God bless.